0: We're Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. Hi, my name is Debs and I'm married to Steve and together we serve on the leadership team here at Anthem Church and I have the incredible privilege of sharing the word with you this morning. Thank you so much to the eldership team for the opportunity. Thank you Anthem Church for listening and trusting my heart and if you're new, welcome. It's Great that you've joined us, and I'm just delighted to be able to share what God has put on my heart uh, with you today. Knowing that you're listening um, is just so sweet to think of you in your living rooms, with your families around you. It's a connection point, and it's, it's filling me with joy this morning. Uh, be- before we start, I would like to pray this morning. I want to ask just for God's presence to touch you where you are at. Uh, that's what it is all about. I'm here to share the word, but God needs to do the work, and he needs to touch you. He needs to take this word to breathe his life on it and to make it real to you. So I'm going to pray for that. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Uh, I just thank you, Father, for each and every single person and family that is listening. Lord, I can picture them in their living rooms. I can picture each one of them, Father, and I want to ask in the name of Jesus for your anointing to come For you to breathe life on this word, for you to make it real to each and every single one of us, including me. We need your love more than ever, Lord. We need to understand your love more than ever. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Steve began our three-week series last week on faith, love, and hope. And he based, well, we've all based our sermons on the scripture from 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3. We remember before God and our Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And the intent of this series is to explore what it looks like to be filled to the point of overflowing to others. So how are we filled with faith? How are we filled with love? How are we filled with hope so that we can overflow to others? It's week two, so I get to share on love. And 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And I get to share on the greatest one. It's no coincidence. I keep telling Steve that's because I'm his favorite, God's favorite, but we're all God's favorites. I know that. The whole series, but more than that, who we are as believers, who we are as followers of Jesus and who we are more so as Anthem Church is all about overflowing to others. It's never just about us. It's about what God can do in us so that we can overflow to others. We need to fully understand and grasp the love of God, because if we don't, we will miss out on what he wants to give us, and we will miss out on what we can give others if we don't understand his love. Part of my preparation in preparing this message was reading the commentary from Michael Eaton called The Branch, and he mentions that faith love and hope are often put together in different parts of scriptures. And there were probably about 10 to 15 scriptures where you read about faith, hope and love. He goes on to say they are the three basic attitudes of the Christian and the key to the entire Christian life. That's pretty important. Faith, love and hope. Faith is where it all begins. It's our entryway into salvation. Love grows and deepens as we build relationship with God and fully grasp how much He loves us. And then love and faith partnered together give us hope for tomorrow. So what is God's love and how do I know that He loves me? Christ's death is the pledge of God's love. The cross is the greatest act of love. The branch says this the cross of Jesus is a revelation of God's love. Look at it, contemplate it. It is proof that God loves you, no matter who you are, or what you've done, or how badly you've sinned, or how long you have been backslidden. The greatest act of love, no matter what we have done or will do. This act of love has taken place. It's done, it's complete, and it will never lose its power. Contemplate it, look at it. It is proof that God loves you. And it will always triumph over your sin, over your doubt, over your questions. It will always win. It is the greatest act of love. The Father saw you. It was like you were the only one who mattered. He loved you in your sin and your shame. The greatest act of love was to send his only son to die for you and for me. If we were the only ones left, he would have done the same thing. He saw you, he called you, and he chose you. One of the positive things that have happened through COVID is that I believe we can all relate to each other. We have all been through the same thing and experienced the same feelings to various degrees. Feelings of isolation, of hopelessness, of being alone. Isolation is one of the devil's schemes. It is subtle, but it is devastating. Isolation's mantra is that you are unseen, unnoticed, not worthy, and alone. Completely contrary to the heart of God. When we feel seen, we feel loved. When we feel unseen, we don't feel love, And therefore, we are not able to love others. Having the privilege of being in ministry for over 30 years now, I have witnessed firsthand the power of being seen. And how simple this act is. And it demonstrates God's love in a powerful way. For a new believer, being seen affirms their tender faith journey, establishing and affirming a connection with their father. For those more seasoned, it's an incredible reminder. When life has taken its toll and the devil has been rampant, it washes away all sin. It washes away hurt. It washes away pain, and it authenticates truth. That's the power of being seen by God Almighty. It is one thing being seen by a friend, it's another thing completely and entirely when when the Creator of the universe calls your name and chooses you. Even Jesus needed to be seen. His identity was affirmed by the Father in Matthew three, before he even did anything. Matthew three verse sixteen says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. Before Jesus began his ministry and his journey towards his death, he was seen and affirmed by his father. In a display of the miraculous, the audible voice of God strengthened him for what was ahead. He was seen, the heavens literally opened, and a light lit him up. God said, Son. He didn't say King. He didn't say Messiah or Savior. He said, Son. It was intimate and powerful, affirming his identity. He said the words, I love him, words that I know must have carried Jesus in the darkest of times. Being seen is also why the gift of prophecy is so incredibly powerful. It's not just about the words that come from a prophecy. It's what comes before that. It's about being seen. It's about being called out by your heavenly father. It's about the heavens opening in a sense. And you feeling like you are the only one who matters. Called out by name. Chosen by the king of kings. And hearing the words... This is my son. This is my daughter, whom I love. Being seen authenticates the truth of who God is and what he says. It's so much more powerful. The words of a prophecy are so much more powerful having come after being seen than just delivered like it was for everybody. It authenticates who God is and what he says. So how do I know God loves me? You know God loves you by the pledge of the cross, the greatest act of love. How do I receive God's love? I've made three points. We receive God's love, number one, through salvation. John 17 verse 25 says, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know you have sent me. I have made you known to them. I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. In order that the love you have for me may be in them. This was the mission of Jesus, to make God known so that that same love he had for Jesus would be in us. When we accept Jesus, we are are accepting God. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, He dwells within us. God is love, so God's love is in us. We are not love, God is love, but we can be loved and we can love others. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the love of God within you, filling you up. So that you can overflow to others. So number one, we receive God's love through salvation. Number two, through the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God is love. The Holy Spirit is God. When we are filled with his presence, we are filled with his love. But the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is that it is a tangible love. It's a love that sometimes comes with fire, sometimes comes with power, sometimes just with comfort, with peace. But it is a tangible love of God that we need to be continually filled in, especially if we want to overflow to others. God wants to fill you. You don't have to have somebody pray for you to be filled. You can ask him right now. Pray as a family. Pray as an individual. Ask him to experience his love. He wants to fill you. Give him that pleasure of filling you with his love this morning. And number three, we are filled with God's love through relationship with him. In two weeks, Steve and I will be married for 26 years. I know, crazy. It has been an incredible 26 years. And I would guess that I'm hoping... If I had to ask him, he would say, of course he loved me on my wedding day. And I would say, yes, I loved him on, his wedding, on our wedding day. But if you were to ask us now, we would say our love is deeper and our love is stronger after 26 years. Now, I just want to say I'm using marriage as my example because it's my longest lasting, strongest relationship. But this really applies to every relationship that we are building into, whether it's with a spouse or with a friend or with a teenager or with a child. Relationships take work, they take investment, they take intentionality. And we have done just that. We have invested in each other for 26 years. And with each investment, with each moment that we've intentionally loved one another, it's been like a brick upon a brick upon a brick and a pillar. Being being nailed into the ground, establishing our love for one another that has grown deeper, and it's exactly the same with our relationship with God. There is so much more, and I think we just like Steve's story about Cade in the museum. Cade thought the the um, lobby was the whole museum, but there is so much more. It's the same with God's love. He wants our relationship with him to grow and deepen, and he wants to pour out his love over us so that we can look back and say, my love for God today is so much stronger than it was when I first met him. Intentional relationships with others and with God require vulnerability. Giving ourselves to our Father, completely holding nothing back. They require humility, being willing to learn and to be challenged by him. Sacrifice. Let's put aside our social media and our comforts and even our money. They require time. Spending quality time with Him and allowing His Spirit to fill us. Remember Romans five five. God's love has been poured into our hearts. God wants to pour his love in, but he needs our time. So to to recap, how are we filled with God's love? Through salvation, the Holy Spirit and through relationship with God. Maybe you are doing all these things and you're like, I still don't feel God's love in the way that I I think I should. I don't grasp it. I can't understand it. I honestly felt this morning that there were some things here that were blocking us from receiving God's love. And I've divided those things up into our past, our present and our future. Our past, the way our past can block us from receiving God's love to its full measure is either because of unforgiveness towards ourself or towards others. I would love to touch on this topic, but it is a vast topic and it's a tender topic. If you are struggling with unforgiveness and you need prayer or you need help or you need resources, please click the I need prayer button and someone will be there for you to pray with you, to lead you through. Prayers of unforgiveness and to give you resources on how to take that further. But unforgiveness can block us from receiving all that God wants to give us. Our past can also be an obstacle when we are disappointed or hurt with God. I used to be shocked when I, when I hear people say that I'm disappointed with God or I'm hurt by God until I actually experienced something of that when Hannah, our second daughter, nearly died from a spontaneous brain bleed. I found myself in that hospital room feeling betrayed. I was completely disappointed in God. I had trusted him that he would never let anything bad happen to my kids Having worked that through over the number of weeks and months to follow, I realized that God never promised me that nothing bad would happen. He promised me that he wouldn't change. He promised me that his character was assured. He was faithful and he was good. But he never promised me that nothing bad would happen. That feeling that I had was just that. It was a feeling of disappointment. It wasn't necessarily that God had disappointed me. What had happened is that I had put a wrong expectation on him. I had believed on something that wasn't in his word. It wasn't true. He is faithful. He is good. And that is his promise to me. And that is what I can be assured of. But feeling disappointment and feeling hurt by God are real things. But what you need to do is you need to confess that. You need to tell him and allow him to show you who he is, who his character is, and help you work through that. But feeling disappointed and hurt with God can block us from receiving His love. God is not surprised with our disappointment or our hurt. He just wants you to be real and honest, and He is big enough, strong enough, and sovereign enough to reveal Himself to you and show you the truth of His word. So our past can stop us from receiving God's love because of unforgiveness and disappointment. Our present circumstances can stop us from receiving God's love as well. The biggest one for me is complacency and familiarity, something I deal with often. Just cruise mode, cruise mode in my relationship with God. Not really meditating on the greatest act of love, the cross of Christ. What he did for me, allowing that revelation to take heart, to take root in my heart, sorry, And to to really feel what that greatest act of love was. We just get complacent. We get so familiar with what Jesus did for us. We get so familiar and complacent with who God is. We serve the creator of the universe. And yet sometimes we can go about our day like it hasn't even crossed our minds. Can you imagine what our day would look like if we carried that revelation of the greatest act of love in us all the time, filtering every word, every action through it? Complacency and familiarity can stop us from receiving the full measure of God's love. Faith fatigue, another one that I struggle with, Man, sometimes I just want God to come into the room to reveal himself and give me a hug so that I can tangibly touch him and feel him and not have to choose to believe him. It's hard to always choose faith when everything else sometimes says something different. But Steve touched on that last week. We can be filled with faith to overflowing, but we need to choose faith. Distraction, I think, is self-explanatory. We are living in a world full of distraction, and that can stop us from slowing down enough and meditating and allowing God to fill us. And the last one is pride. Remember, we are owed nothing. God owes us nothing. We deserve nothing. And yet He died for us and has given us blessing upon blessing and favor and provision and faithfulness and mercy And yet sometimes we can walk around thinking we deserve it when we've done nothing of the sort. So our past through unforgiveness and disappointment can stop us from receiving God's love. Our present complacency, faith fatigue, distraction, pride can stop us. And what about our future? How can our future stop us from receiving God's love? I'm going to answer that question with a question. Is there anything in your life that you are holding out for, that has taken the place of God's love. Sometimes our best intentions can become idols, even prophecies or promises. This is always a tough one because we have to balance out faith, but never ever let the promise take the place of the promise giver. God is so much more than the promises he gives us, But we get so hung up on those promises sometimes that we miss out what he wants to do with us while we wait for them to be fulfilled. If he gave the promise, he will fulfill it. This black and white approach that I just delivered to you is one of the things that drives my husband insane. He's like, babe, there are nuances. And I'm like, yes, there are, but sometimes there aren't. Sometimes it just is what it is. And what can we do? And how can we change something? If God has promised it, he will fulfill it. There is nothing we can do to make that happen. No matter how many doors we bash down, God will do it in his timing. So to recap, how are we filled with God's love? Through salvation, the Holy Spirit, and relationship with God. What stops us from receiving his love? Our past, unforgiveness, disappointment. Our present, distraction, opposition, pride, complacency, fatigue, and our future. Putting the promise over the promise giver. What does it look like now? If we had to put all those obstacles aside, if we had to do all these things and say, God, fill us. What does it look like practically to be filled to overflowing? More than ever before. Anthem Church, we need to love one another. More than ever before, we need to reflect the authentic love of God. But that can be overwhelming in itself. How many people are out there that need to be loved? There are so many, and being overwhelmed by that can actually stop the very thing that God wants to do in us. When we say there's too many, I can't do it. But God is an intentional God. And we've got to remember that the Holy Spirit is involved in this journey. God loves intentionally and he calls us to do the same. If you slow down and get filled with his presence and filled with his love, I truly believe that he will begin to highlight those people that he wants you to love intentionally. Every single one of you have different gifts and abilities and personalities and characteristics that are meant to love a specific person in the way they need to be loved. We don't all love the same and people don't all receive love in the same way. God is an intentional God that has called us to love those people he places in front of us. We just need to slow down enough to see who they are. I have a little story to tell you as I end off this morning about a a woman that I became friends with in South Africa called Rose. It was about 2001, I think around that time, and I was a stay-at-home mom with two little girls, Rebecca and Hannah, who were three and two at the time. And it was an, an, an occurrence that happened quite frequently that I would get knocks on the door and people would try and sell me things. For a lot of people where we lived, In the rural community, that was their only source of income. So it became a regular occurrence. And one morning, I had a knock on the door, and I opened the door. And there was a lady who was selling a grass-woven mat. And she told me in her Zulu, um, which is one of the official languages of South Africa, and I just graciously said, no, thank you, and I began to close the door. She began gesturing to me in Zulu. I didn't understand her words, but I could understand what she was trying to say to me. She was desperate and she was devastated. I didn't know what to do in that moment and so I did what I could do and that was invite her in for a cup of tea. We sat at the dining room table and I made her tea and she began to talk in Zulu. To this day, I don't know how we communicated because I know very little Zulu and she knew no English whatsoever. But in that one conversation, I realized that she was a widow. Her husband had died of AIDS. Her daughter was 16 and pregnant with no boyfriend on the scene. She had four other children. They all lived in a one-room hut with no running water, no utilities, and their only source of income were these grass mats. Uh, We finished off our tea, and I invited Rose to come to church with us that Sunday, thinking she's not going to come. Anyway, Sunday morning arrived, she was about half an hour early, she knocked on our door and she came with us to church. She fell asleep in church but told me afterwards she wants to come again. And so we continued to take Rose, whether it was us or other people who gave her rides or she would even sometimes pay for a taxi. Every Sunday she would be there, every Sunday she would fall asleep, but every Sunday she would come back again and she would tell us that it was good. We began to uh, learn a little bit of the language, but we still could hardly communicate to the degree that I would have wanted to. Anyway, in 2004, Steve and I left um, that little town to plant the church in Chicago. And of course, I lost touch with Rose, but the story doesn't end there. Thirteen years later, we had the privilege of going back to that church, which is now solid ground. And I was standing on the grass having a cup of tea after one of the meetings when I saw in the distance this lady running towards me. And I squinted to see who it was, preparing myself for an almighty hug because I could see there was movement and uh, what do you call it? Um, Anyway, forget that. Um, Just ready for the hug. And uh, I squinted and saw that it was Rose. Of course, I dropped everything and ran straight towards her, and we embraced, and in our very animated, broken Zulu English manner, caught up on all the years that we hadn't seen each other. What I heard that day was incredible. She was at church, her daughters were at church, her grandchildren were at church. And not only that, Rose had become a connection point for a non-for-profit company who built buildings and helped communities become self-sustainable. So she had become the contact person for that company that was part of that church. They went into this rural community, they brought running water, utilities, they helped them farm land so that they could be self-sustainable, and Rose was that touch point. Now I'm not telling you the story to make myself look important, like I did the right thing. All I'm doing is saying to you, when God places someone in front of you, it's intentional. God has a reason why he wants us to love people. God loves Rose. He has always loved Rose. But life's hardships had taken its toll on Rose. And she felt unseen. I could see it on her face when I wanted to close that door. It was like she didn't matter. Like she wasn't worthy of my time or anything. But when I saw her, she was seen by God. And it led to events into her future which changed her life, changed the life of her children and her grandchildren. God is an intentional God who has called us to love others intentionally, to overflow with love. I think there are some of us who feel unseen. Some of us who have allowed life's hardships to rock us. where We've got to the point where we feel like we don't matter. That we're alone. That isolation's mantra has been loud in our ears. You're alone. You don't matter. You don't count. You're unseen. God wants to tell you this morning, I see you, I call you by name, and I choose you. You are my son. You are my daughter with whom I am well pleased. As we worship in a few moments, I'm going to pray for us and ask for God's love to fill us. But before I do that, I also want to say to you, if you're listening for the first time, if you've never heard the message of the gospel that Jesus died for you, that God sent his only son for you. And if you were the only one left on the planet, he would send his son to die for you too. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to, please click that button that says, I want to receive Jesus, and someone will pray with you. This is the most important decision of your life. It's a decision that will change your life forever and the lives of those around you as God fills you with his love to a place of overflowing. Before we go into worship, I want to pray for us and ask for God to just once again remind us of his love. Whether you are feeling unseen or whether you feel the love of the Father, there is always more. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that we can stand on your word because you assure us that your word is true. And we have heard from your word this morning that you are love, that you see us, that you know us, that you call us, that you choose us. For those who feel unseen this morning, right now, Lord, may the heavens open. May they feel the love of your heart, the love of the Father, pour out over them, saturate them to a place of overflowing. And Father, those who just need the reminder of who you are, who need who needs your love to authenticate your truth, to remind us, Lord God, that we are chosen by you, loved by you, and that you want to fill us to overflowing. Not just once, but over and over and over again. Would you do it right now in Jesus' name? I thank you, I bless you, and I worship you. We give you glory and honor and praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us, anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.